I've been hearing about abusers who are uh, blaming their victims for giving them the virus. It's your fault. And when that happens and rage erupts, the victims get punished. Well, hello, OVM audience. It's been a couple of weeks since um, I've posted a new episode, and this is the first one in the era of COVID-19. I am recording today uh, on Zoom in my home office, like so many of you who are hunkered down at home, working from home and social distancing, doing everything that we can to keep ourselves and our fellow humans safe. What an extraordinary time we are living in right now. Um, so much to think about, so much to talk about. My guest today is herself an extraordinary woman, some, someone whom I've wanted to, to have on the podcast for a while. And she reached out to me a few days ago um, talking about COVID-19 and a particular subject area that really has not gotten much play in, in the previous days and weeks as we've all been dealing with the, the momentary things that are happening literally minute by minute. Um, my guest today is Indrani Garadia. Indrani is a philanthropist and an advocate for women's health and empowerment. She is the founder of Indrani's Light Foundation, a nonprofit foundation that is dedicated to ending gender-based violence and empowering women around the world. Indrani, I'm so delighted to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us and share your perspective that is so incredibly important at this moment in time. How are you doing and how is your family? Linda, it's so good to see your face, by the way. I know your face from my little screen for years and have admired you from afar. Thank you. I am doing great. I was very lucky to be able to get on a flight last night from New York my first flight was canceled. And as I was sitting on that flight, I thought, it's gonna get worse, but I'm going home to safety and food and shelter and electricity and all the things that I know too well not to have um, from growing up in Trinidad and then being so poor in New York when I first came. I am doing as, as well as anyone can be doing, and I have nothing to complain about. Well, I love your, your positive attitude toward life, and we're going to get into your, your backstory in just a bit because you have, have had some significant challenges in your life. Um, and you've overcome them to be where you are today, and you have this big, huge heart um, wanting to help other people. Um, tell me, tell our audience why you reached out and said, Linda, let's do a podcast about domestic violence victims who are having to stay home potentially with their abusers during this extraordinary time in our history. Uh, first of all, Linda, I'm so glad we connected that I, that I could know to do that. Statistically, 
one in three women and one in seven men are abused, violated. Now, that's a reported statistic. That's something we can measure. It's a self-reported statistic. We know anecdotally that it's more. When victims have to stay with their abusers, they don't have a choice. The abuser who is already angry to begin with is even more enraged because their usual pattern of going out and doing whatever they want, that's uh, stymied. And abuse is all about control and power. The amount of stories that are coming in, um, it no longer curls my toes. It, it makes my heart bigger. And that's why I thought I need to reach out to Linda to see if, if your platform could help spread the message that there's tremendous pain happening next door. Next door. Well, um, I'm so glad that, that you reached out because it, it isn't something that, that I would have even really thought about from the perspective of, you know, just knowing that we're, most of us now are, are confined to our homes. And fortunately, I do not have any personal experience with domestic violence, but I have so much compassion and empathy for those who do. And I'm almost ashamed to say that I didn't really think about what that would mean for those who find themselves in this situation. Um, and I think that there are many people out there, you know, we're all trying to get through this as best we can. And we're in uncharted territory. But what this, this collective experience is doing is it is bringing us together in ways that, that we've never been brought together before. And so let's talk about what we can do to reach out to help empower those of our neighbors who are behind closed doors and, and are in very tenuous situations that they might not know how to deal with. So what, what is your advice here? And, and, and let's frame it also by letting our folks know what your experience is in this realm and what you are doing uh, in, your, in your daily life before all of this happened. Okay, hi folks. I was born in, on West Indian Island and I was born in a household where violence was as free as breath. There were many things that I wasn't sure of in my life growing up, but I was sure of violence. I didn't know it was violence. I thought it was deserved. And so it was no big deal. I, you know, I managed. We all managed. I only realized that it was violence when I had my first child and the violence that seeped into my DNA and I wanted to hit my baby when he was just a few weeks old. And luckily for me, there was a part of my brain that said, what are you doing? Um, we can find all of that in the TED Talk, but that's what brings me to this moment in 2020. When my last child left home, I decided to 
start my foundation and go into domestic violence, sexual and domestic violence shelters to see if we could help the advocates, the caregivers in any way. And we chose the advocates because if you think of the statistic, one in three, that's also with advocates. So advocates are experiencing violence at home. They're coming to work every day and they have to take care of people who have not only experienced violence, but now are violent themselves because they don't want to leave their home. They still love the abuser. They don't understand why things are happening. They don't want to follow rules. The children are, you know, going wild because everything is, is different. So advocates, advocates are, we think of the advocate as the, the crumbling structure upon which domestic violence shelter stands. And nobody's looking at advocates, and that's why we did. So I started that in 2010, and here it is 10 years later. And when things happen in the world now, or in my community, people reach out to me and they say, this is what just happened. For instance, I've been hearing about abusers who are uh, blaming their victims for giving them the virus. It's your fault. And when that happens and rage erupts, the victims get punished for this thing that they have done. I'm hearing things like non-consensual sex happening because the victim is home. So what else is there to do? You know, there was something really cute and utopian on Facebook. Oh, nine months from now, there'll be so, more ba so many more babies. Yes, and. Mm. Yes, and. I, I read that and I think, okay, there are women who are going to be forced to have children through no fault of their own. So all of these things will keep giving us the gifts of this quarantine. And I'm so grateful because I saw the LA Times, an article from MIT, the Houston Chronicle, the New York Times for the first time talking about violence and sheltering in place and what that means. So I was on a global conference call this morning and we said we have a pandemic inside of a pandemic. Um, we know that right now the virus is in about 110 countries and that is a huge pandemic. Domestic violence is in every single country. And it's been in every single country way before now. It's been a pandemic for decades. But it's so easy for people to say, oh, they deserve it, they didn't deserve it. Or he, he's so nice. He always contributes to the church. Oh, I can't believe she's saying that about him. If she would only learn to cook, he wouldn't have to hit her. Linda, you cannot believe the if-onlys I hear. So what can people do? The first thing you can do is know, first know, are you a victim or not? Um, and if you are, let's go to if you're not right now. If you're not, say, be grateful. Like, be, sit in a chair, on the floor, go 
to your to your partner and say thank you for the support that you give to me. Thank you for keeping me safe. And then take a deep breath and get present. And think, if somebody were to call me right now to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use my own name, Indrani, this person that I've been married to for 20 years has been beating me for 20 years and I never told you. What are you going to say? The first thing you're going to say is, Thank you for calling me. Thank you for knowing that I love you and support you. You are not going to try to fix their problem. You cannot fix their problem. Let them talk. Offer yourself for more phone calls. How about we have a FaceTime chat tomorrow with some tea? How about texting them in the middle of the night just saying, I love you. The abuser won't know what that's about. But if you say, did he hit you today? I love you. Now that's a problem. So Linda, you see where I'm going. We have to keep it. We have to be there for them and say, I'm here for you. Thank you for having the courage to reach out yes. to me. I'm here in whatever way you need. Right. But then we also, as you say, have to be careful not to tip the hand of the exactly. abuser so yeah. that if they see something, it might cause more abuse. Exactly. So uh, pretend that that text that you're going to write is going to be printed on the front page of the New York Times tomorrow. It has to be positive and supportive. Nobody should look at your words and say, well, that's what she meant. If you say, I love you, I, you know, I've loved you for five years. Okay, I've loved you for five years. I've known you for five years. Yeah. If you say, hey, I made a cake and I'm sending you a piece. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As long as you don't put the other person in even more jeopardy, you're doing the right thing. Okay. The other big thing is in this moment, there is no way for an abuser, for, for a victim, to make big plans to get away. There's no place to run. The shelters are full. You should still call 911 if you hear something next door and you think it's life-threatening. If you're in an abusive situation, you should know how to call 911. Try to make um, a game of it. I'm looking for my... Uh, pretend this is a, a cell phone. Turn it off. Teach your kids how to call 911 on an inactive phone, right? And make a game out of it. So that in a moment of crisis, that kid could pick up that phone and just dial 911 and just say, come and help. Because it's, it's on the operator to send someone there. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, all right, let's, let's look at the... Um, other scenario, if you are a victim of abuse and you are- And you are at home. And you are at home. Yes. What do you do? Well, if you are a victim of abuse and you are at home, guess what it means? It means you have survived. You know how to survive. Whatever dance you do that, that has kept you alive in this moment, you are amazing. 
because many people don't know how to survive and are not around. Keep doing whatever it is you're doing to survive. And in the meanwhile, I, Linda, I was talking to you this morning and I thought of this and I just was all so happy and, and feeling really brilliant that I thought about it. You know, we all have to wash our hands now for 20 seconds, right? So you go into the bathroom, lock the door. Nobody's going to tell you you're not allowed to go to the bathroom. Do whatever you have to do or not. Sit on the thing and pretend. And when you wash your hands, lather it up and listen, put it by your ear and listen to those bubbles and feel the texture of the soap and smell it and slowly wash your hands, wash them off. And if you do that about 10 times a day, every time you touch a surface, that's 10 times a day you have given yourself permission to slow down and breathe. And you're not doing anything you're not supposed to do because you've been told by the government you need to do this. When, when you, you said that you got, um, you've received calls from, um, I assume they're women. I know there are many men as well, as you say, who are victims of abuse. Mm -hmm. But I think you said women who have called and mm -hmm. said, um, that they are, are afraid because they have to stay in place. So t tell me, give me another example of what that call was and then how you handled it, what you said to that woman. So it wasn't a call, it was a, a text. Exactly. So I, I didn't have a voice. Okay. I said, listen, you know how to survive, right? What have you done in the past? Well, I keep the kids kind of quiet. Okay, keep doing that. What else have you done? I make sure he likes the place really clean. I make sure the kitchen is clean. Keep doing that. What can you do for yourself? I can uh, take a longer shower. Keep doing that. When you, when you give the kids a bath, can you make that time a little longer? So you're loving your children and whispering to them in the bathtub, I love you, I love you, I love you. Keep doing that. If you haven't been reading a bedtime story, perhaps you want to start. Keep doing the things you have done that has made a difference in your day. And only only that person knows what it is. It, our brains can pick up. You know, Linda, have you ever been out in a crowd and you've seen your husband up ahead and you just knew it was him by the way you walked? Yes, all the time. Right? Your, your brain knows. Your brain knows the shape of his, of his space. Mm -hmm. Victims know you know what might happen. If you read a micro expression, and that usually is going to be followed by screaming and yelling, how about leaving the room? How about going outside just to see if the postman came? 
listen and read the micro expressions and do something a little different. Yeah. How about going to the toilet as soon as you read that micro expression? Because yeah. you know what that micro expression means. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did, did you say earlier that someone had said that the abuser is saying you're you caused me to get the virus could you i saw i i saw that on a website yeah we're on the victim the website abuser, the abuser accused the victim of giving the abuser the coronavirus yes wow wow i mean how do you even wrap your brain around that and how do you respond to something like that the first thing is you cannot respond to that. Yeah. Because no, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't slap. Right. You yeah. gave me the virus. Mm. Pretend you don't know what those words mean. Pretend they're speaking, I don't know, Japanese. Mm. You cannot ascribe a responsibility to something like that. And you cannot accept blame, but you, you're not going to say, don't you dare blame me for that because... And then that escalates wow. the situation. Yes. Yeah. You gave me the virus. If that person likes to hear sorry, go ahead and say sorry. Okay, sorry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you have an opportunity to run away and be permanent, if these things are happening a lot, okay, go ahead and stay where you can permanently. Yeah. But I'm assuming if people had those choices, they would have done it already. Done it already. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, this is such, such important um, knowledge and advice that you're passing on to our audience. And I hope that, you know, anyone out there who, finds themselves in a position where they need this kind of advice, that these words are really going to help them get through. But we don't even know how long this is going to last. This, no, this period of, of staying home and, and social distancing and self-quarantining. And um, so what, you're, what you are really giving people are life skills, skills on how to stay alive. Um, in, in, a, in a very difficult um, situation uh, to put Actually, it. Linda, I'm, I'm reminding them that they have the skills, right? Uh, because they are alive. They're alive. So clearly they have the skills. They figured it out thus far. I'm not giving them anything they don't have. I'm just saying, I know you. I know you. You can, you got this. Is it optimum? No, but you still got this. I believe in you. I want to take a moment to welcome our sponsor, BMW of West Houston. Full disclosure, I'm a customer and have been for the last several years. I switched from another brand, which shall remain nameless, and I've never looked back. From the sedans to the SUVs, BMW of West Houston will put you in the ultimate driving machine of your dreams. 
the X5 and the X7, they're both on my wish list for when this podcast hits a million listeners. So please share away, share away. A girl can dream. Check out this month's deals at bmwwest.com. How did you get to this place? You you shared your own history of childhood abuse. What was the work that you had to do to be this light that you are right now for others? I think, and, and I've tried to answer this question so many times, and every time it feels like it's a different response. I should really keep them. <laughs> they could probably fill a whole book. I think there was a time when I was sure that I was stupid and ineffective and not not worthy of love and acceptance. And then I started to do deep work on with me and my inner child. And the more I spoke to the little child in me that was scared, the more I comforted her, comforted her, the more I comforted me. And I'll tell you when I think I began. When I was 14, my, um, my mother left Trinidad and came to the United States and I was left to take care of my 10-year-old brother and six-year-old sister. And I thought it, it was, of course it was normal. That's what we do. Older children take care of the younger ones. And when my daughter turned 14 and walked down the stairs, I looked at her and she was so tender. She was so, oh, Linda, I might cry. She was so sweet. And I couldn't imagine having her take care of a 10-year-old and a six-year-old. And when she left for school that day, I just wept because I finally saw me in her. And from that day, every time I did something for her, 15, 16, 17, I did something for me, 15, 16, 17. I had a birthday party for myself at 15 and at 16 and at 17. And I stopped when, I, when, I, when she turned 21. And I think what I was doing in between those parties is looking at her and seeing two things. How much she didn't have to worry about caretaking other people and that was because I created that. And how strong I was at that age that I survived. And that's where the survival comes from because I don't really know how I did it, but I was strong. And I finally claimed that strength. And I claim it every day and I see it in people because you're here, you're still here talking to me, good for you. I was teaching a class once and the woman was, she was talking about the most horrific abuse 
And I said, guess what? She said, what? And I said, you are living to tell the story. He didn't end your life. What a gift. Let's talk about that abuse and what it taught you now. Uh, about you. Not about him. And she, her whole energy changed. She started to smile. She started to laugh. She said, I win. I said, yes, you win. Now, this woman luckily had left her husband and she was thriving. And she stopped seeing herself as a victim and started to see herself as a thriver, not just a survivor. We are thrivers. Internal narrative. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We are thrivers. Is there, are there steps to thriving? Yes. We can always climb the thriving ladder, right? But if we are telling the story to anybody, we are thrivers. I want to broaden our conversation out now to the, really the, the, the broader global community. Um, and especially here in America right now where we are so incredibly divided. Um, I posted something on, on um, my social media um, platforms earlier this week and it said, um, it shouldn't take a crisis to remind us of our common humanity. And one person commented, you're right, and I was wondering what it was going to take for us to finally get back to realizing that we are all in this together. You know, waiting to see what was gonna be the thing that finally snaps us back to, to reality and recognizing that we are all the same. And the virus is an equal opportunity destroyer, right? Yeah. I call it the equalizer. This yeah, just, just like domestic violence, virus and violence. Anybody, anywhere, anytime. Anybody, anywhere, anytime. And we're only going to get through this if we figure out how to do it together and stop fighting. And, and recognize what our commonalities are. So you are such a, a, a brilliant, broad thinker. I, I would like to get your take and your perspective on this virus and what it is doing to us and what the potential is for us to learn so many lessons from what it is that we are collectively going through now and how we choose to come out on the other side of this. Would love your thoughts. I'm so glad you said choose because everything we do in life is a choice. It's the a choice. only thing we cannot choose to do is live forever. Yep. Only death is uh, what is the opposite of choice. Mm -hmm. Death is not an option, right? Everything else is a choice. When I think of what the virus is doing, and I, I'm not a scientist, I don't have a crystal ball, I don't know what it will do. For the people I'm talking to, the virus is making, and I'm gonna say us, the virus is making us look inside. And it is forcing us to answer one question, who are you today? 
are you the kind of person that's going to go to the store and buy all the hand sanitizer and hoard it under the kitchen sink just because you can? Are you the kind of person that's going to buy all the toilet paper because you have the money and you can't, and those idiots should have gotten here first? Are you the kind of person that's going to go to your refrigerator and take all the fresh food and cook up a big pot of soup and put it in Tupperware, not you know those plastic containers that everyone has, and say, hey, neighbor, I've left it at the fence. You can pick it up. By the way, I've, I've wiped it with you know all the wipes. Are you that kind of person? And if you don't have a pot of soup to share, are you the kind of person that if you have a fence, maybe you write a note on a piece of paper and you say, neighbor, come out, I left you a note. There are so many ways we can show up. But if I take it, you know, globally, the more, the bigger picture, I am involved in an organization called Every Woman And Every Woman Treaty is involved in creating a global treaty that will end violence to women and girls. I say women and children, girls, uh, girls are killed at a higher rate. Now, a lot of people say, that's stupid, that'll never happen. And I say, when was the last time you saw someone smoking on an airplane? It's against the law, exactly. We have the tobacco treaty. And the tobacco companies were forced, we're still seeing ads over the course of 30 years to roll out their marketing. One day, and I hope it's in my lifetime, somebody will say, that used to be okay, but now it's not. So I think this is what the virus can do. We can up our game. We can show up every day, 5% more present. I cannot say better because Linda, every day we show up, I do believe we show up as our best selves, even though some of us abuse. Even the abusers are showing up as their best self. I don't think they wake up in the morning and say, aha, I'm gonna make somebody's life so miserable today. I think it's background and, and anger and depression and, and not having the tools. Maybe and it's five or 10% who are mean. And having let, lived through their own cycles of abuse. Yes. Yes. yes, yes. So, and so just not knowing what to do. Not knowing, not knowing how to deal with it because that's all that they've ever known. All they know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know what I like to think? I like to think that the first date that someone goes on, and the first time that that other person says, what are you, stupid? You look at them and say, yeah, I'm pretty stupid to stay on this date if you just call me stupid and it's the first date, bye. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why are we gonna wait for the fifth time that they call us stupid? Right. And then after 10 times of stupid, they hit us because, I mean, we're really stupid. Yeah. Right. Right. Maya Angelou says what? Mm -hmm. When someone shows you who they are, believe it the first time. I'm the first, first time. time. Yep. 
Yeah. I met you about two months ago and I looked over and I knew you were an amazing person. And I believed it the first time. <laughs> I didn't have to say, well, I think I'm going to meet her again and then I'll decide. No. And if you were a mean person, I would have believed that too. Oh my God, I don't want to meet her again. Yeah. Our bodies and our hearts know. We know. We have to learn how to listen to it. We have to learn how to listen to it and believe in ourselves and our instincts as well. Listen and believe. Listen and believe. And if that voice in your head is saying, you're so stupid, you're so stupid, you can say, okay, voice, can you take a break? I'm going to let you sit in that corner for two breaths. Just give me a break. Right? Because... If you tell the voice, go away, go away, it just gets louder. So say, okay, sit over there. After two breaths, you can come back. Man, I need a break from you. Mm. We start playing like that with the, the naysayers in our head. And, and, and the voice, by the way, those, those lines, it's, it's a broken record. It's the same line over. And yeah, you already told me I was stupid. Thank you very much. That was yesterday. Yeah, I'm still stupid. Thank you very much. That voice doesn't have uh, a PhD level in other things to say. It's barely got a vocabulary of a fourth grader, right? <laughs> and, yet, and yet we listen to it. But you just gave um, a good tool. We listen to it. <laughs> you know, and replace it with, with the, the voice that, that is more uplifting and, and is more empowering. And, um, and that's, that's what we yeah. are all about at Our Voices Matter is, is giving, giving rise to those voices that are uplifting and that have the ability to take us to where we, we want to be and where we deserve to be. Um, and this conversation is, is one of my favorite ever. Um, and it's, it's so important and so timely, and, and I cannot thank you enough for reaching out to me and saying, hey, we have a lot to talk about on this podcast, and, um, and there's a message that I'd like to get out to people out there who might be in trouble and, and need to hear this message. So thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. Me. Thank you for caring. Thank you for caring. Hmm. Well, um, we are certainly going to link to your websites and um, our audience will be able to learn more about what you are doing. And um, just going to say to our audience out there, thank you for taking the time to uh, tune in and, and listen and watch. Um, I know you've got a lot going on on your plates right now, but uh, we truly are in this together. I appreciate you giving permission to speak to our guest Indrani Garadia and for having the courage to listen with an open mind and if you know someone who is in trouble and needs some help that is a victim of domestic violence I hope that you will take some of the words that Indrani has shared with you here today and put them to good use and help your friend as best you can. Um, be well and we'll see you next time.